Well, good morning, Orchard. Take out your Bibles this morning or your mobile devices. You're going to want to follow along. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Today we are continuing our series called Elijah. Uh, we met this incredible man of God a couple of weeks ago in 1 Kings chapter 17. After the nation of Israel had 19 evil kings in a row, uh, then we had the worst of the worst. Ahab comes on the scene. The Bible says that no king in Israel did any more evil in the sight of God than Ahab did. And so God finally was like, I've had enough. He raised up a man named Elijah. He goes to King Ahab. He tells him about his sin, which he was leading the nation of Israel to follow these false gods of Baal and Asherah. And he says, this is the prophetic judgment. It's not going to rain on the earth for three years, three and a half years. There's not going to be any rain. That's God's judgment for all the false gods that you're worshiping. And he kind of like says that, drops the mic, and then he disappears for three years. But even though he was out of the sight of Ahab, he was not out of the sight of God. And God had taken him into seclusion. He was humbling him privately so he could then use him publicly. He was doing something in him like he does with us many times so he could do something through him. And then after three and a half years, we saw last week that Elijah showed back up on the scene to King Ahab and he said to the nation of Israel, quit wavering. You know, if the gods of Baal are God, then follow them. But if the Lord is God, then follow him. Make a decision. He drew a line in the sand. There was a showdown. He called fire down from heaven. It was an incredible day. If you missed it, you you need to go watch last week's message. Amen, church? I mean, it was just a powerful message from the Word of God about who do we follow. Now, today, we're going to see as this man of God, Elijah, prays. He's going to pray, and we're going to learn some uh, wonderful truths about prayer from this man of God, Elijah. Let me ask you this question by a show of hands. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? Would you raise your hand? Okay, you believe in the power of prayer? Okay, put them down. Now, I want you to be completely honest. Uh, if you're a guest at Orchard Church, we keep things very real and very honest. How many of you, even though you say, I believe in the power of prayer, I know that personally in my life, I could be more effective and intentional in my prayer life. Would you raise your hand? Okay, my hand's up with you. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. How, how can we be more effective with our prayers? How can we pray effective prayers? I want to uh, begin with a story uh, about prayer. Like many um, men that are in ministry, when I first went into ministry over 25 years ago, I was a student pastor. I was a youth director at a church. I actually was a youth director at this church for six years, so I had the privilege of taking uh, students from 7th grade all the way through 12th grade uh, through graduation. As a matter of fact, our family pastor, Kevin Williams, uh, his wife, Elizabeth, was a 7th grader in my first youth group. I had her for six years, which makes me old, okay? You can just laugh at that. It makes me old. But um, I had another kid in our youth group that I also had for six years, and his name was Adam. And this is a picture of Adam right here. Shelly and I, last summer, uh, had the privilege to see Adam. We hadn't seen him in, in several years. And he was in our youth group. Adam's 38 years of age now. Um, Adam has some learning disabilities and challenges. He has the mind of about a 10-year-old. Even though he's 38, um, he's been working a job at Walmart for like the last 20 years, uh, just really doing some great things uh, with his life. But Adam and I are still buddies. And when I, I had him in my youth group for six years, he was like my shadow. You know, everywhere Doug went, Adam went. Um, to this day, there's hardly a week that goes by that Adam doesn't call me. And we stay in connection. We just got this awesome relationship. And man, we love Adam. We love his family. Our youth group loved Adam. The kids were great with Adam. They understood some of his challenges. But we had a lot of fun with that Adam. We really did. And so whenever we would go to youth camp, Adam would go to camp with us as well. And we would always stay in these barracks, kind of like this cabin. And there'd be like 30 high school guys. I would be on the bottom bunk. And Adam always slept on the top bunk above me. 
And because he always, wherever I was at, he was at. So I remember this one particular night, uh, we were, I was trying to get the guys to go to sleep, which is a challenge every night at youth camp to get high school guys to go to sleep. And if you want them to be asleep by midnight, you got to start trying to get them settled down about 1030. Because, I mean, the jokes are going and things, people are making noises and guys are expelling bodily sounds. You all know what I'm talking about. And it's getting close to midnight. And I'm like, okay, guys, we got to get some sleep. And I'm just when I, I, I learned that if I could keep them quiet for about 10 minutes, then they would be tired enough to fall asleep. And so we're like at nine and a half minutes. And I'm laying in my bed like, yes, finally they're going to sleep. And at about 9 minutes, 45 seconds, out of the quietness of the room, 30 high school guys, Adam, on the bunk of bed above me, he says, Doug, where do babies come from? <laughs> True story. I'm like, great. Of course, the room erupts. And I said, Adam, we'll talk about it tomorrow. No, I want to know. Then the other high school guys ag him on. Yeah, Doug, where do they come from? They start asking all questions. I'm like, oh, I've lost all control. We're going to be up to 1 a.m. I finally say, listen, we will talk about it tomorrow. He's like, but I can't sleep. I can't sleep. And so I say, Adam, you just need to pray, okay? You just need to be quiet in your bed and pray, and then you, and God will help you to fall asleep. And so it gets quiet. I said, guys, really, you know, I had to get my stern voice out. And I'm like, it's time to go to sleep. And so we're at like nine minutes, 30 seconds again. It's quiet. I think, yes, we've made it. We're going to fall asleep. And out of the stillness of the night, Adam says, Doug, prayer doesn't work. <laughs> True story. You know, the truth is sometimes... We feel that way in our life, don't we? If we're honest. And we maybe don't say it that way, but we think it. You know, does prayer really work? You know, I prayed something for my marriage or my spouse, and God doesn't seem to be answering. I prayed for my kids, or I have this addiction, something I've been trying to get over. I've given it to the Lord, and I've been praying that God would take it away, and it doesn't seem to be going away. Does prayer really work? I've been praying for this health need or my finances or a relationship to be restored. And we sometimes wonder, does God hear my prayers? Is he listening? Does he care? Is he paying attention? And we're going to see today as Elijah is going to pray a very effective prayer, and he's going to teach us how to pray effective prayers. The book of James, I'm going to put this on the screen, has a commentary about Elijah, the man we're studying, and it says this, Elijah was, say it together, church, as human as we are. Elijah was as human as we are. It's not like Elijah was this super Christian of God and he had this cape and all this. He was just like you and I. But he had this incredible faith and prayer life and we can learn from it. He was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed, how church? Earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Elijah prayed with boldness. Elijah prayed with confidence. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Last week, he prayed for fire to come down from heaven, and fire came down from heaven. And today, we're going to see him pray that rain would come again, and we're going to see what's going to take place. And, I, and as, I, as I studied this, and I've been preparing for this, it, God was speaking to me, and I was asking myself, do I pray like that? Do I pray as confidently and boldly and effectively as Elijah did? I want to. I want to, but do I? Hebrews 4.16 tells us this about bold prayers. So let us come, how, church? Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Do you believe that, church? We can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come confidently like Elijah did. We're going to talk today about how to do that because the reality is, if we're honest, and I feel this way sometimes too, uh, that we struggle in our prayer life. 
To be as consistent, to be as authentic, to be as bold, and to be as effective as some, as some of the heroes of the faith like Elijah that we read about in the Bible. How can we get there? We have a value here at Orchard Church when it comes to prayer. We say it this way. Um, we, we work as if everything depends upon us, but we pray as if everything depends upon God. But do we really believe that? How can we be more effective in our prayer? So I hope you'll take some notes today. Very practical if you want to raise the level of your prayer life and its effectiveness. We're going to look at four uh, qualities of effective prayer. So you guys ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, here's the first one. We're going to see from Elijah, this man of God. Effective prayer, first of all, effective prayers are humble. Effective prayers are humble prayers. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41, it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty what? Rainstorm coming. Now that may not seem like any big deal, except it hasn't rained for three and a half years. There's a devastating drought. I mean, he steps out in faith and makes this, this, this proclamation. Verse 42, so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. That's where we saw him last week. And he bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face between his knees. You see, when, when Elijah was talking to Ahab, he was very bold. He said, listen, I'm telling you, I'm confident there's a rainstorm coming. But when he went before God, he was very humble. He humbled himself. And so what, what did he do? He, he got his backpack. He got his camel back. He got his North Face gear on. He grabbed his GPS. And he climbed all the way back up on top of Mount Carmel to get as close as he could physically get to God in that moment to pray. But when he got up there, he got on his knees. And it says he put his face between his knees and he humbled himself before God. And he bowed physically as an outward expression of what was happening inwardly in his life, spiritually, as he was humbling himself before Almighty God. Effective prayers are humble prayers. And, and I can just imagine as Elijah was like, listen, I, I, I'm just a man. I, I'm small. I'm inadequate. I, I'm asking you, God, for rain. I can't do this. But God, you are not a man. You're God. You're creator. You're Lord. You are big and you are adequate. And through you, all things are possible. And he was acknowledging that as he humbled himself in prayer. And some of you can relate because there's something in your life right now that is too big for you. It's way too big for you to handle. It's way too big for you to change. It's way too large for you to fix. Can I encourage you today? You can't, but God can. But it starts by us humbling ourselves before God like Elijah did. If you want to see results like Elijah, you have to pray like Elijah. And Elijah prayed effective prayers because he was praying humble prayers. Effective prayers are humble prayers. And I thought, when in my life has God driven me to my knees in humility to pray? I wish I could tell you that's how I pray all the time. I don't. I should. But I thought back, and I remember a specific time in, in my life when this happened. When our first son was born, Caleb. And uh, he's now 21, he's a college athlete, some of you know I've talked about him before. But when he was born, the pediatrician came in, you know, to, to check him out. And the pediatrician was lis listening with a stethoscope and he kind of had a weird look on his face. And we were like, is everything okay? And he said, well, I just, I hear something that I want to double check. I mean, he's not even 24 hours old, our firstborn child. And we're there in the hospital, you know, we're all excited. And then that moment, it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's going on? They took him back. They did an echocardiogram on his heart. 
They came, the doctor came back in the room and he had a piece of paper and there was a heart that he had drawn on that paper and three holes were drawn on that heart. And he said, well, your son was born with ventricular septal defect. He has three holes in his heart. Imagine that devastating news about your newborn child. And we said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, sometimes if, if a child's born with one hole, they'll close up over time, but he's got three. It's, it's unlikely that all three will close, but we'll keep an eye on it. We're going to give it about a month. Let's see what happens. But we said, well, what if one or all the holes don't close? Well, then he's going to have to have open heart surgery as, a, as an infant. And I remember I was trying to be strong in that moment for Shelly and our family and we said, God's going to get us through this. We're going to be okay. And I went home to get some things because I'm going to come back and stay the night at, the, at the, uh, the hospital there. And I went home, and it was just me at the house alone, and nobody was there but me and God. And I remember I fell to my knees by my bedside, and I bawled my eyes out. And I said, oh, God, please heal my son. Please help my son. Please help us to get through this. And I prayed, and our church prayed, and people around the country prayed. We took him to his one-month visit. They did an echocardiogram, and the doctor said, I don't know how to explain this. There's the, everything is healed up. He's perfect. We don't have to do a thing. We praise God for that. And I believe that it was God's way of humbling me, bringing me to my knees in effective prayer. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes who, church? The proud. This is like God's stiff arm in football, all right? Pride doesn't get you anywhere except on the ground. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to who, church? The humble. Listen, humility always precedes the miraculous in our lives. If we want to see God do something miraculous, it begins with our humility. If you want to get God's attention in your prayer life, then we have to humble ourselves, Effective prayers like Elijah, first of all, are humble prayers. They're humble prayers. Number two, effective prayers are not only humble prayers. Effective prayers are specific prayers. Elijah prays for something very specific. He's praying for rain. It hasn't rained for three and a half years. And in verse 43, it says, Then he said to his servant, as he's on his knees humbly praying for rain, then he said to his servant, Go and look out toward the sea. What's he looking for, church? He's looking for Rain, a rain cloud. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. I I didn't see any rain. What was he looking for? He's looking for rain because Elijah is specifically praying for rain. The context is going to reveal this in in this story. He kind of does the Milli Vanilli here. You know, praying for the rain or blaming it on the rain. I know I dated myself right there. Didn't they sing something about rain? Well, not really they didn't sing it, but that's another story. But here's what I want you to see. He wasn't general. He wasn't, God bless us. God help us. No, God, we need rain and we need it now. And I think about in my life, just keeping it real. I mean, I'm telling you guys, God really convicted me as I was preparing this message. If there's one area of my Christian life that I know I could improve in, it's my prayer life. To pray like Elijah. It's not that I don't pray, I do, but do I pray that effective? Sometimes my prayers are wishy-washy, if I'm honest. They're too general. They're too generic. You know, God be with us. God, give us strength. God, bless us. God, provide for us. God, help us. And God's like going, for what? Help you with what? Bless you with what? Strengthen you how? Strengthen you where? And, And I believe in the power of specific prayer. Don't you, church, say yes? 
then why are we sometimes so general and wishy-washy and generic in our prayers and we're not more specific like Elijah was? I know the power of specific prayer. I remember a couple of times in my life where I prayed for something very specifically and God specifically answered. And one, one example of that is um, about 12 years ago. And we felt, you know, we moved to Colorado. We were living in Pueblo and working at a church at the time. Our intention was to be sent out from that church to come to Denver to plant Orchard Church. And after we'd been there about a year and a half, there was a, a turnover in, in the pastoral leadership. And we said, well, maybe this is, it's time for us to go plant a church. And, you know, we'll just go ahead and go while they're transitioning. And the, the new pastor said, no, no, you, you guys have been such a blessing to our church. You've helped us so much. Please stay with me at least a year and then let's reevaluate. Help me through this transition. We prayed about it. We had peace about it. We said, okay, we'll do that. And so a year went by, one year. And then I started talking to my pastor. I said, well, it's been a year. I, I haven't lost this burden. I feel like God is saying it's time to go plant a church, but I, I, just, I just don't know for sure. And, and the pastor said, so you don't know for sure? And he said, no. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you till tomorrow to decide. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He goes, I, we need to know. Are you with us or not? You know, what's going on? And so I went home that night. I told Shelly, I said, man, he's telling me I got till tomorrow to decide if we're supposed to go plant this church, Orchard Church in Denver. And, I, and so I prayed about it that night. And I said, God, I need you to answer. I need to know for sure if you're in this, th there's no way I can miss it. And then I went to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning and that should have probably been on my mind, but it really wasn't the first thing on my mind. But I got up and I opened my Bible because I had been leading a group of men uh, through the reading of the New Testament. And we were just reading verse by verse. We started in Matthew. We we're working all the way through. And we just happened to be that morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I opened my Bible that next morning before I went to the office that I'm supposed to give this answer to my pastor. And this is what I read in 2 Corinthians 8.10. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Come on now. <laughs> it was the closest thing to the audible voice of God I've ever heard in my life. It was like God said, is that specific enough? Is that clear enough? And I wrote it in my Bible, the date. And it was back uh, that summer of 2005. I wrote it in my Bible. That was when God said, go and plant Orchard Church right there that day. I had a specific request and God answered in a specific way. If we want to be effective in our prayers, we've got to pray humble prayers. We've got to pray specific prayers. James 4.2 is a convicting passage. James says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it we got to be specific. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. How many of you know that our motives matter when we pray? We'll talk about that a little more in a minute. You want only what will give you pleasure. pleasure. But he says, listen, you don't have what you want because you don't ask. You're not specific enough. So I ask you, Orchard Church, I ask myself, how are you praying specifically for something in your life right now? How are you specifically praying for your marriage, for your spouse, for your kids, for your health, for your finances, for someone's salvation. How many of y'all know somebody, a, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member needs Christ? Raise your hand, okay? Now ask yourself, am I praying specifically for them by name? Some of you maybe can say yes. If you can't, then we need to pray for them specifically because effective prayers like Elijah are humble prayers. They're specific prayers. Here's the third one. If you want to pray effective prayers, effective prayers are not only humble and specific, they are persistent. Effective prayers are persistent. So Elijah's up on top of this mountain. He's humbly and specifically praying. And then in verse 43, then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. 
He's looking to see if there's any rain clouds, any rain coming. And then the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. And then it says seven times. Everybody say seven times. Not two times, not three times. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Seven times. He's praying for rain. He says, now go look. Do you see anything? No. Go. I'm going to keep praying. Go look again. He comes back. I didn't see anything. Go look again. Go again. Go again. Go again. Seven times. He is being very persistent in his prayers. He, He didn't say like my buddy Adam, prayer doesn't work. Doug, prayer doesn't work. He doesn't say, well, you know, you've, you've checked six times and God hasn't answered. God's not listening. God doesn't care. God, this is a waste of time. No, it says seven times he told him to keep looking. He was persistent. You have it in your notes this way. Elijah didn't allow the outward circumstances to affect his inward assurance. He did not allow his outward circumstances to affect his inward assurance that God was hearing and that God was going to answer in his way and in his time. And he was very persistent in his prayer. James 5.16 says it this way. The earnest prayer. Everybody say earnest. Earnest. This is another way of saying persistent, consistent. Not the occasional every once in a while wishy-washy. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has what, church? Great power and produces wonderful results. Man, we need to embrace that. We need to apply that. We need to live that. And I got to tell you how that speaks to me. I wonder, how many things have I missed out on? Answered prayers and blessings of God because I wasn't persistent enough. What have I missed out on? Because I quit praying. I gave up praying. I got frustrated maybe in my prayer life. For myself or someone else. If we want to see God do miraculous things. And we want to be effective in our prayer life. We have to pray like Elijah did. He was persistent with his prayers. And one of the ways God specifically personally spoke to me as I was preparing this about being persistent. Is our daughter Caitlin. We call her Missy. Uh, Missy is 19 years old. Full of life. She's like triple A personality. But she has an autoimmune um, disease and disorder. And so she has good days and she has bad days. She has good weeks and she has bad weeks. She has good months and she has bad months. And when things are not going well, man, we are, my prayers seem to ramp up for her. And then when things are better, then I think, oh, everything's okay. And, and God really convicted me. You know what? We, we don't want to just see this you know, Band-Aid put on this. We want to see her healed. And I believe we have a God who is a healer. Amen. He's a healer, and he can heal her. But am I praying enough about that? Am I praying persistent enough? And that's one of the ways God, you know, spoke to me, that I need to be more persistent in my prayer life about my daughter, Missy. And and could I be as bold to ask you guys to do that as well? Would you pray for my daughter? Pray for my daughter, Caitlin. Pray for Missy, that God would heal her. We've got some very important doctor's visits coming up in the next couple of weeks where they're trying to find out what is really going on and how to treat this. But at the end of the day... It's not about the doctors and nurses and medicine. It's about the great physician. And and would you pray with me persistently for for our daughter? We would really appreciate that. But let me ask you, what what have you quit praying for? Let's be very real and honest this morning. What, What have you quit praying for that you need to start praying for again in your life? 
you know, your family, your health, your finances, your spouse, someone's salvation. You say, man, I used to pray for this all the time, but somewhere along the way I stopped. Let me, let me get, it's not in your notes, but let me give you guys this. You know, we're all about smartphones and apps, and they can do some great things. There's an app, a prayer app called the Echo app. It's the Echo app. Man, download that thing. You put your prayers in there, and it'll remind you daily or hourly. And man, it's, it's a great way to just be more intentional and persistent and consistent with your prayer life. Charles Spurgeon said it this way about persistent prayer. Prayer can never be in excess. You can never pray too much. And that's what Elijah's teaching us. Effective prayers are humble prayers. They're specific prayers. They're persistent prayers. And then, number four, effective prayers are expectant prayers. Believing and expecting that God is going to answer. Now listen, I believe God hears all of our prayers, and I believe that God answers all of our prayers. He just doesn't always answer the way we want Him to answer or when we want Him to answer. Sometimes His answer is yes. Sometimes His answer is no. Sometimes His answer is not yet. We've got to wait. But we can expect that God hears and is going to answer our prayers. And after praying for rain, humbly and specifically and persistently, Seven times, it says in verse 44, what's the next word? Say it, church. Finally. You ever felt that way about your prayers? Finally. God is going to answer. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him. He comes back. He's been checking for rain, rain clouds. He says, okay, here's the deal, Elijah. I saw a little cloud. Just a little cloud. About the size of a man's hand rising from the scene. Now, now, notice he didn't say, I saw a monsoon. I saw, man, it's getting black. It's getting dark. It's about to cut. No, he, it's like, this is all I got. I mean, I'm just envisioning how he's saying this. Sorry, Elijah, I just saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. Well, how does Elijah respond to this? Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, you better climb in your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain is going to stop you. You talk about a man of faith, amen? You talk about a man praying expectantly. He's like, all I see is a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. He's like, that's good enough. Go for it. It's going to rain, man. It's coming. Man, I wish I had that kind of expectant faith. I would have probably been like, that's it? Come on, man. I'm going to call Nine News, talk to Kathy Sabin. Could you check the radar? You know, because, I mean, the weather forecasters in Denver are never wrong, Right? I need some proof, but not Elijah. Man, we can learn from Elijah. He prayed expectantly that God was moving and that God was about to do something amazing and miraculous. He prayed in faith. You know, I, I, we, we did see this happen here at Orchard Church in the last couple of years. Um, as many of you know, a little over two years ago, we bought the 38 acres of land next door. Pay, praise God, we were able to pay cash for it so that we could build our first permanent facility, so we can continue to advance this kingdom. It's not about building a building, but it's about building people in their faith in God. Amen? It's, it's, it's about leaving a legacy for the next generation of people coming to Christ and giving us a place to call home. And so we bought the land, hoping we'd be able to get a building permit, you know, in six to nine months. Many of you know it took us two years. You, know, you read in the Bible that Nehemiah, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days in Jerusalem. But somebody said, yeah, they didn't have to deal with the city. We know all about that. And, and, and from time to time, I would come to you guys and I would say, listen, we're getting close to our building permit, but we need to get past this hurdle. There were so many speed bumps and hurdles I never shared with you guys because I didn't want to discourage you. 
And there were times that, man, the enemy and Satan wanted to discourage us and it'd be one step forward and two steps back. And there were times we thought, is this ever going to happen? But we just kept praying and we kept praying and we prayed expectantly that, you know, God hasn't brought us this far, that he's not going to come through. And then praise God, we finally got our building permit. And, and now the building is going up. And let, yeah, praise God for that. Amen. And uh, let me just kind of give you a quick update on the building. Uh, next week, they're going to begin pouring the slab. Uh, they've got all the, the footers, the foundation, the slab is going to be poured. The week after that, we're going to see steel arrive, and the steel is going to start going up, and the building is going to be coming out of the ground, y'all. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And, I mean, things are rolling. Uh, you want to be here next week, they're going to bring, um, Franz and Pittman, our general contractor, they're bringing a piece of steel over here. We're going to have it out in front of the school, and we're all going to get to take Sharpies. We're going to get to sign our names on it and put verses and prayers on it, and it's going to go into, into the building. But man, there were times we wanted to quit. We wanted to give up, but we said, no, we're going we're gonna to humbly trust God. We're going to be specific, and we're going to expect that God is going to do this. And as I drive by that building, I, I mean, you know, two or three times a week, I'm just in awe of what God's done. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing short of a miracle, but we're just expecting, and we expected that God could do this. You know, there's, there's a passage in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 11, where Jesus is talking about prayer. And I got to be honest with you, this is a passage that I struggle with. What did, did Jesus really mean what he said? And I, I want to read it to you guys, because it's convicting to me. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Say what? <laughs> That's what he said. But you must, here's the key, really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. That's the challenge, right? Believe it expectingly. Jesus, Jesus said, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. That is a powerful passage. And I gotta be honest, my spiritual side, the spirit of me wants to believe all of that, but my flesh struggles at times with that. I'm just keeping it real. And we gotta balance a passage like this with the other parts of scripture. I don't believe that this verse is a name it and claim it thing. I don't believe this is saying that God is some cosmic genie in a bottle that when we rub it, he comes out and says, your wish is my every command, master. I don't believe that this means that, you know, if you, if you pray for a Ferrari and that the Broncos are gonna win the next 10 Super Bowls in a row and you believe it enough, it's gonna happen. That would be nice. There's a balance here. But here's what I can't get past in my life. I don't know about you guys, but in my life, for Pastor Doug, it's not that I'm believing God for too much. It's that I'm not believing him for enough. What could he do if I really believed? What, what are you trusting God for and believing he will answer? Believing in faith, expecting that God is going to answer like Elijah did. What incredible faith. I'm going to ask you guys to pray for this for our church. Um, we bought 38 acres of land next door, and we kept 15 acres that the building is being built on, but we're trying to sell off the rest of the land because we believe if we sell off the rest of the land, it will not only pay for all of our land, it'll give us maybe another million and a million and a half to put against the building. We're in a position that if we sell, we've got 15 other acres for sale, residential, right now. We've got some buyers that are interested. If we can sell that land before we 
finish the building and close on our loan, we could move into our new building and our building and all of our land be over 50% paid for in cash. Would that be okay, Orchard Church? So I'm asking you guys to pray expectantly that God would help us to sell the land so we can put that against the loan and save, you know, thousands and thousands of, of dollars in interest and believing that God can do it. Amen? God can easily do it. God could sell. And then we got some commercial on the front and God was, could sell that as well. And God could do something amazing. You know, and some of y'all have been telling me, now, if I win the lottery, I'm just going to pay for everything. I've been writing your names down, okay, in case that happened. Now, I'm not trying to endorse the lottery, but, you know, hey, God works in mysterious ways, right? You know, maybe, we, maybe we're not praying for enough. Maybe we should pray that we'll move into the building 100% paid for it. Could God do that? Absolutely God could do that. I don't know how he would do it. It would be miraculous, but, but let's pray for that. Let's believe that. What, what, what God could do and imagine all that money that we could use to advance the kingdom instead of paying a loan back. I mean, it's amazing what God, God could do. When we pray expectantly, like Elijah, Elijah prayed expectantly. Well, how did, what's the end of the story? Did God answer? I mean, out of this small little cloud the size of a man's hand, what did God do with that? He, he tells Ahab, you better get home. The rain's going to stop you. It's coming. He believed it. He expected it. Verse 45. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought what, church? A terrific rainstorm, exactly what he prayed for and believed would happen. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord, and I love this, this is great. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Don't, don't miss this. I mean, Ahab gets in his chariot with horses. They're taken off to get back home to Jezreel. Ahab pulls up his cloak. It's kind of like a dress thing. He tucks it in. It'd be kind of like us pulling up our pant legs so we're not running through the rain. And God gives him such strength. He goes running by the chariot. And I can just see Elijah. He's like, I told you it's going to rain. I told you. I mean, just see him. I love that. He's like, I told you God was going to do this. I told you we could trust God. I told you we could believe. Because he expected that God was going to come through. As we wrap this up this morning, I know what some of you may be thinking. Well, this is a 2,500-year-old story. You know, it's really cool, but does God still work like that? Does God still answer prayers like that today? I'm Kayla Mumby, and I've been coming to Orchard Church with my family for about two years. I grew up going to church, but I got pregnant when I was 19, and the church actually asked me not to come anymore. So I stopped. I definitely got really depressed. Um, I wasn't connected with God like I am now by any means. I knew who Jesus was, and I went to church, and I tried to do the right thing, but we, weren't, we didn't have a relationship, a real relationship. So when I was first diagnosed, I was a single mom, elementary school teacher. Um, I just graduated college and started my first teaching job. And a month into it, I had a seizure, a grand mal seizure, while I was teaching my first grade class. And they took me to the hospital and found out I had brain cancer. We found out I had an oligodendroglioma grade two brain tumor. And uh, I started treatment right away, chemo right away. and. Kept working, kept raising my daughter, um, you know, just living life kind of for the next two years fairly easily, but really connecting with God in that time. 
And really, my tumor is what brought me back to God. It really is. Because I had to lean on God. I didn't have an option. I needed God to help me through this. I met my husband. He also had cancer. He had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he was actually out celebrating that he finished his treatment. So I just decided to approach him and talk to him about cancer. And now we're married. So cancer brought us together. Two months later, my daughter was really stressed out, passed out at school, and we found out she needed emergency open heart surgery. And so we take her to Children's and she has her open heart surgery. She's totally fine now. She's 100% recovered from that. In the midst of having cancer treatment for my brain tumor, to find out your seven-year-old needs emergency open heart surgery. I was praying about if, if it's my time to come be in heaven because you need me for something in heaven, I'm okay with that. Help my family to be okay with that. If not, can you please take this from me? I'm not strong enough for this. I know that God is, but I personally as a human am not strong enough for this anymore. And God just showed up in a miraculous way. He not only made my tumor respond to the treatment, it's completely gone now. And this is pretty cool. There's a big hole in my head where they took the tumor out. And at my last scan, that hole is actually filling in with healthy tissue. And so that's kind of cool that like it's my brain. Not only did he take the tumor away, but he's healing my brain. Uh, my oncologist, when he diagnosed me, he pulled up that scan and actually my mom said, Jesus is in her brain. Even he acknowledged that it looked like Jesus. Yeah, so definitely it looks like Jesus is standing in my brain with his hands out just saying, I've got this, just trust me, I'm gonna take care of this. The doctors told me because of the severity of my brain tumor and the treatments I was gonna need, sterile. I can't have any more kids other than my oldest daughter. My husband, his doctors told him he was sterile. We conceived twins. Which, that's another thing that it's like, thanks God, I get it. <laughs> There's no other, I think that was God's way of saying, you guys think you know, but you have no idea. You're not in control. He's just been so present in our life and shown up in so many ways. It's just, I can just talk to him anytime I want about anything, and I know he's there for me. I know he's taking care of my problems before I even ask him about them. He's proven that to me over and over again. Well, can we just praise God for answer prayer? <laughs> Father, we just want to acknowledge right now that you are a God that hears our prayers, you care about our needs, and that you do answer in your timing and in your way. May we pray more expectantly, like Elijah in our prayer life. As we continue an attitude of prayer right now, let me just ask you, how many of you would be honest enough to say, you know what, I, I want to be more effective in my prayer life like Elijah, and I need prayer in my life, and, and God has spoken to me today that I'd be more expectant with my prayers like Elijah. Can I pray for you all across the auditorium? Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Mine's up with you, church. Let me pray for all of us. Father, I pray that we would learn this lesson from Elijah, that we would apply these truths to our life, that we would pray more effective prayers, more confident prayers, more bold and intentional prayers, that we would be humble, that we would be specific, that we would be persistent, and that we would be expectant in faith that you will answer. I pray for all the needs represented here this morning, Lord, whatever they may be, I pray that this message has encouraged them, that whatever they're praying for, they will ask in faith, and your timing, according to your will, you will answer our prayers. You will. As we continue an attitude of prayer right now, 
for some of you that are here today, you need to hear this. God has brought you to this place in this moment to hear this. The first prayer that God wants any of us to pray is a prayer where we humbly admit that we're, we're a sinner and that our sins separate us from our Savior, Jesus Christ. The reason we needed a Savior is because of our sin. And the Bible actually says that until we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and our sins are forgiven, He doesn't hear our prayers. And the first prayer He needs to hear from you is that you open your heart in faith to invite Him into your life as Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you say, I'm not sure if I've ever done that for sure. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now in this place. I'm not going to ask you to stand up, to speak up, to come up. I'm just going to ask you to be willing to pray a prayer of faith from your heart to God's right where you sit to invite Jesus into your life. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you believe it in faith, you can say yes to Jesus today. And then it will open up a relationship with him that he will hear every prayer from this day forward and he'll work in and through your life. So you know who you are today. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me? I'll help you with the words. It goes like this. Jesus, I'm calling on you today to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want a relationship with you. Thank you that you hear my prayer. My prayer of faith. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and saving me. Thank you. Thank you. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment but myself. Uh, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, you just made the most important decision of your life. And we take that very seriously here at Orchard Church. And I would love the privilege and the honor to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship from this day forward. So if you prayed that prayer with me just now, can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hands all across this auditorium? God bless you over here. One person over here. One, two, three. Several people in the family up there. God bless you. God bless you up here in the very back. I see your hand. God bless you over here on my right. God bless you over here. Several hands over here. It's okay to be excited about that orchard. God bless you, sir. I see your hand right here. Yes, God bless you. Amen. Amen. Listen, if I, if I didn't see your hand, it's okay. God sees everything. He sees your heart. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Listen, I, I want to ask those of you that just raised your hand to look up here at me. Just those that raised your hand. You said, I prayed that prayer. And you may be wondering, okay, if I just made the most important decision of my life, what's next? What's the next step? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But while I'm praying, I want to ask you, if you just prayed that prayer right now, without hesitation, take out that connection card that's in your newsletter. Give me your name and your address because we're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Others are going to pray for you by name. And we're going to send you a free little book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy. It'll help you in your new walk and relationship with Jesus and give you your next step. So right now, just take that out and then you can drop that in the offering bucket when we receive our gifts in just a moment so that we can help you on your spiritual journey. And let me pray for you. Father, we just rejoice and thank you for all those who put their faith and trust in you today as Lord and Savior. We pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you from this day forward. We pray that we would all understand the power of effective prayer and that we would pray like Elijah and that we would see results and you do the miraculous in all of our lives for your honor and glory and our good. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we celebrate big time some new believers in Christ this morning? Amen, amen.
you accepted Christ, just continue to fill out that card and drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by. Um, if you are a first-time guest today, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Hopefully, fill out that guest uh, connection card. Uh, you can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today, but we're interested in getting to know you. And so we'll send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail. If you're new to Orchard Church and I haven't had the privilege to meet you personally, I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent. So please uh, come by and do that. Uh, next week, uh, we are going to be wrapping up our story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. And what you're going to see is, man, here's this incredible man of God, Elijah. He's had all these incredible, miraculous mountaintop experiences. But how many of you all know you can't just live on the mountain all the time? Sometimes you got to come down in the valley, and he's going to hit the valley next week, and he's going to be confronted with evil Jezebel, and he's going to get discouraged, and he's going to get depressed. Have you ever felt depressed? I'm not asking if you are depressed, but have you ever felt depressed? We're going to see God's prescription for depression and discouragement next Sunday. you got to be here for this. As we wrap this up, if you know somebody going through a hard time, bring them next Sunday as we see God work in and through Elijah and through uh, him being defeated and and depressed. Um, Also, as we're going to close in a a time of worship through song and worship through our tithes and offerings, our gifts to the Lord, we're going to do something special today. We we aren't able to do this every week, but we've assembled our prayer team. They're going to be assembling right now along this wall behind uh, the sound booth. I thought it would only be appropriate today since we're talking about the power of prayer. If you're here and you have a prayer need in your life and you'd like somebody just to pray with you and pray for you, then our prayer team is here to do that. Can we just show appreciation to our prayer team? They do a great job. So as we're worshiping, if you have a prayer need, just come to one of these wonderful folks. They'd love to just pray for you today. So let's stand as we close in a song of worship, worship through our giving. God bless you, Orchard Church. I love you. Have a wonderful day.